Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. K through eighth grade. Kids, you are welcome to head on out to your classes. And the rest of you, uh, maybe just introduce yourself. Do a 360. Make sure you've introduced yourself to the people around you and then grab a seat. Great job. Welcome home. All right, grab a seat. I'm coming after you this morning. I'm going to start by, uh, we're in a brand new series, post-Easter. I want to begin by asking you a question. Would you describe your spiritual life as mild or as wild, mild or wild, on that spectrum. This series, that's what I've titled this sermon series over the next several weeks, From Mild to Wild. One of the reasons I think about my own faith journey, and, uh, and it's a little bit of that roller coaster there. When I first came to Christ as a high school student, I was on fire, man. I was, I, I was sharing my faith, reading my Bible, praying. We were having all-night prayer sessions, Steve Beck and Dave Schenerloin, and we were, we were wild for God. And then, you know, you get older and you get more mature and you kind of doze off spiritually and you're chill and it's like, ah, it's a mild faith. And then God awakens you and, you know, you get hit by a Vespa and, uh, and all of a sudden, man, I got to get on, I'm on fire for God again. And it's just kind of all over the course of my year, I move in and out of mild and wild. Let me show a slide for you. Which slide best represents your spiritual life this morning? This slide or... This, <laughs> the family float down the Truckee River or the Fudalefu in Chile, class five rapid. Maybe a more important question is, which slide do you want to represent your spiritual life moving forward? I'm gonna guess some of you, go to the other slide. You're like, sign me up. I'm all in for that. That's, that, that's what I want. And I, I, I want to just kind of nudge us in this series maybe to think about moving in that direction. If you have a Bible, Revelation chapter 3, just want to pull out a little verse here that, that'll just kind of poke the bear a little bit this morning. Uh, Jesus is his words to the, this church in Laodicea. He says, I know all the things you do that you're neither hot 
nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm, if you have a Bible, you might want to circle that word, lukewarm, but because you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, it's hard to say this, but he says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. What's he saying? He's saying it's distasteful. Doesn't sit well with me. The lukewarm Christian. I'd rather you're cold. I'd rather you just go, I'm out. I'm not, I'm, or I'm all in. But to be mild, chill, comfortable is not the best version of yourself. It's not the life that Jesus is inviting you and me into. If you have a Bible, turn now to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to use this story and uh, pull out some reflections on it to talk about the, the three marks of a mild faith. And I am coming after you a little bit this morning. I'm, I'm just going to hopefully awaken some of you that uh, maybe have drifted off and fallen asleep. I'm going to make some of you uncomfortable. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm not going to call you out individually. I'm not going to do that. You're safe there. But I am. <laughs> I am going to create a nervous awkwardness in the room this morning. Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, we came together. Luke is writing this story. He says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. That kind of sounds like church. On the first day of the week, first time it's mentioned here, came together to break bread. They ate together. They also celebrated the Lord's Supper. But then it says, Paul spoke to the people. The apostles there teaching Sounds like church is gathered. And because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Spoiler alert, we're not ending it. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I could actually speak uh, on the, you know, the seven deadly sins of speakers this morning. One being, you'll see it here, speaking on and on and on and on. But it says, he kept on talking until midnight. Verse 8, there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Now, verse 9, here it is. Lock into this verse. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Holy Moses. <laughs> Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. And then he went back upstairs again. He broke bread and ate, and after talking until daylight, <laughs> he left. Somebody tell the Apostle Paul, land the plane, Paul, land the plane, right? <laughs> Verse 12, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly 
comforted. I just realized that I just led with my chin. Larry Dam's going to say to me in about 20 minutes, land the plane, Rev, land the plane. <laughs> All right, here we go. Three marks of a mild, lukewarm faith. The first one is an unwillingness to deal with distractions. Verse 9 says that this, this kid, this college student, Eutychus, was sitting in an open window and I think what happens, if I imagine myself, you know, third story, there's no glass on the window there, and so I'm sitting in the windowsill, and I'm, I'm listening to Paul speak, and I'm kind of looking out at the people coming into church late and judging them, like, dude, it's like 1020, and you're just getting here right now? That's what I'm thinking, sitting in the windowsill. And, of course, the passage... Uh, in that little town village, you know, I'm, I'm probably thinking, hey, I wonder how late uh, Trader Joe's is open because I, uh, I got to deal with uh, the grocery list that I'm supposed to pick up some things. And so think about the distractions. Imagine yourself there in that first century windowsill, the preacher's talking on and on, and it's getting later and later. Where does your mind go? There's the inward distractions of things you need to do, and then it's like, I wonder, this is where my mind goes, I wonder where my friends are having dinner tonight, like, and I wonder why I wasn't part of that plan, and now I'm thinking about that, and I just think this faith journey that we, you and me, have to figure out how to deal with the distractions that are inward, that are outward, whether it be around us, whether it be, I talked to a woman this morning who's teaching children, and she came in 20 minutes late to the children's meeting at 9 a.m. She goes, I was distracted. I was driving here. I was going to be on time, and then I thought, wait, I got to stop by my office real quick and pick up a few things, and then, you know, the, the exit and, 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 and the 101, and, and, and this is real life. This is what happens to us. You and I have lots of distractions in our life that cause us to slowly doze off spiritually. And I wonder what that or those distractions are for you. I mean, it can be anything from social media can kind of take my attention and pull me into a, a comparison attitude it could be um, just playing video games, although I don't play video games, but I know a lot of people that are just into it, or sports, or staying up. I remember when I was an intern at Lake Avenue Church uh, back, I don't know, I was like 22 years old, and my boss, I, I showed up to church one morning, and I was just, I, I was out late with friends the night before, and I'll never forget, he said, John, the battle is won on Saturday night. If you're going into ministry, you don't go out on Saturday nights. And I was like, okay, thanks, man. You know, <laughs> feeling guilty. But what are the distractions that cause you to be kind of pulled away or lulled into dozing off or, or falling asleep spiritually? 
I think that's an important question. I heard this story this week about a farmer and his dog, and he took a little 10-minute loop every morning with his dog. And one morning he came back, he arrived after this little 10-minute loop. His neighbor had walked over, was dropping something off, and the neighbor said, why is it that you seem perfectly fine, but your dog seems completely out of breath and exhausted? And he said, it's simple. We take the same path, we're on the same loop, but my dog spends his whole time chasing and barking after other dogs. My dog gets distracted. I'm on the path, but my dog's not. My dog's everywhere, running and chasing and barking. And I just think about my life, John Ireland. Where in my life am I chasing? Am I barking? Am I going after? Am I losing my way? Am I getting distracted? Rather than staying focused, staying on the path, staying in relationship, staying connected to God, staying connected to my family, staying connected to my God family. And what about you? So this first thought or reflection is an unwillingness to deal with distractions. Second one is an unwillingness to move to the middle. You say, what? Where is he seated? In the window. Where is a window in, when you look and think about a room, where's the window? It's on the outside. It's on the outside. I'm going to bet my house that if he was seated in the middle, he wouldn't have fallen out the window. Raise your hand if you agree with me. <laughs> There's something about moving to the middle. When I was on sabbatical this past fall, Natalie and I visited a church in Boston. It's one of our best covenant churches, High Rock Church. And we went to High Rock, and now this is where it's going to get a little nervous, depending on where you're seated here this morning. We went to High Rock Church, and guess where we sat? We sat, there were three sections just like here. We sat in this section, and we sat in the very back row. And I sat Right where the light's shining in the very back row, right, right there. Don't know who that is, but that's where I sat. I sat right, yep, just wave, yep. <laughs> that's where I sat. My wife sat next to me. And I want to I share with you my experience. My experience by sitting on the end and in the back. The church, church started at 10 o'clock. And for the next 30 minutes... We'd have people walk in by me, and then they decided they were going to, you know, sit maybe in the middle, but there were people that were seated on the end here that had to get up, sitting, oh, here, yeah, come on in. Come on in, you can move to the middle there, and then they get and sit down. And then literally 90 seconds later, it's here, and it's here, and I'm in the back, and I'm watching it all while they're singing, while they're worshiping, while the sermon's going on, and I'm getting critical, judgy, distracted, and I'm not into the experience because I'm on the edge. I'm in the back. I've met people, 
I've gone up to people in this church, and I go, hey, are you new here? No, I've been coming for 10 years. Wow, I've never met you. Yeah, I come late, I leave early, and I sit in the back. <laughs> and I bet when people go, how's your church experience? You'll go, eh, it's okay. Have you ever showed up to a film, a movie, 10 minutes late, left 10 minutes early, and sat in the way back corner and said, that was the best movie I ever saw. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. A few weeks later, I grabbed my friend Bob Ream and said, Bob, I'm going to go visit a church down in Hollywood called Mosaic. This guy, Erwin McManus, he's written a bunch of books. He's a great speaker. I want, I want, to, go, I want to go check out that church on sabbatical. So Bob and I meet, and we, start, we walk in, and he's about to grab. I go, no, 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 no. We're going right here. We're going front row, center. I said, I don't want to miss a thing. And so we sit there, and I'm not kidding. The front row was full. The second row was full. So next thing I know, I'm talking to people, and then, you know, Irwin comes out, and he's speaking. And here's what I want you to hear. I don't know what was happening behind me. I have absolutely no idea who was coming in late, who was getting up, who had to go to the bathroom, who brought their coffee in and they're not supposed to and got kicked out of church or what. I, don't, I didn't have any of that. I just was, so here's my point. Where you sit in life, it matters. Raise your hand if you heard me. Now, it, it just wouldn't be right if I just let you stay where you are right now in this moment. It just wouldn't. It'd be like a missed opportunity. But now we're going to find out who's rebellious, who's saying, hey, John, I don't care what you think. I want everybody to stand up and move forward and move in at least one or two seats. You just got to do it. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. And for those of you online, you can move too. I love this. I just love this. God bless all of you. And those of you that stayed in the back row, God bless you too. Or as my friend Chuck Wysong says, bless you. <laughs> All right. I want, I want you to know that uh, Pastor Jono and I have been having this ongoing conversation of how do we move people into the middle? How do we move people into what we would call the center of the church so they're not, not just physically in the back and on the edges, but in the heart? in the core of what God's doing in this church. How do, we, how do we do that? That's our heart. We want you to have an experience in this church, not just Sunday morning, but all over the life of this church where God is touching your life and transforming you, where you're experiencing hope and help and healing and relationships where you're like, I'm actually seeing and I'm known 
and I'm heard, and I'm loved, and I'm celebrated, and I'm supported. Like, we want that for you. We pray that for you. And I'm just, the object lesson here is, we say to people, you get to go at your own pace. We don't, we're, not, we're not here to pressure anybody, but I will tell you, my experience at Mosaic was 180 degrees different than it was at High Rock in Boston. And High Rock's an amazing church. It's a growing church. But my experience there was lukewarm because I was distracted. I was outside on the edge. I couldn't, you know, I was like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to stick around and, and hang out. I want to get to my car because I want to go to lunch. And, and, you know, all of these things feel a little scary. Isn't it weird? But it feels actually scary to get out of my chair and go, I'm going to walk down closer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually step over a few people to, to... Now, the irony is I was seated on the edge. I was judging the people seated on the edge, but I, was, I, I got up a couple of times and said, yeah, go on by. I didn't move to the middle. So they, I, I was like, yeah, go on by, and I was judging the other people. It's so weird, this Christian faith thing. Anyways. <laughs> what would it look like for you, for us to be in the core and we were, we, we, we've just been talking about different spiritual practices that are your way of saying, I'm in. I want to be in the middle. I want to I be an influencer. I, I want to be an impact player. And I want my life influenced and impacted by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God in this God family. And we've looked at other churches, and there's a lot of other churches doing this same thing, but there's just, there, there, there's four spiritual practices really quickly. We'll have them on the screen. It's connect, serve, give, invite. Connect, not just come on Sunday, but I'm going to connect. I'm going to be in a spring into community life group. Oh, my goodness. When does that start, Jono? Tomorrow. Wow. That's perfect timing for this sermon. You can spring into community. If you're not in a small group, a life group, you can, today, you can sign up and say, for the next six weeks, as an act of faith, I'm gonna go from mild to wild. I'm actually gonna get in a small group and, and, and learn and grow and get to know other people. Connect, serve. Serve is about living beyond yourself for the sake of others. In your program this morning, it talks about Sunday serve teams. I just made a list. Takedown team, setup team, small group leader team, O-Kids team, youth ministry team, leadership team, finance team, building team, media team, video team, uh, worship team. Uh, it, it just goes on. There are so many teams that help pull this off. And we are always looking for more people to serve for the sake of others. And, uh, and then, of course, there's the giving piece, right? Contributing sacrificing, faithfully saying, I'm going to support the mission of God, the work of God. And, and you know, I say this whenever I speak on giving. God wants you to be a generous and cheerful giver. If that's not here, if like we don't have your heart, give somewhere. I mean, God wants you to be a giver and generously. But we also, people that are like, I'm in the core, I'm in the middle, I'm leaning in, then, then, then together, I, Jono and I would say, join us. We're giving. We're sacrificing. We're, we're, we want to live by example. We're not saying you should do this, but we're not going to do that. We're leaning into the center and the core. And then the, the, the last thing that, that, that we want to say as a spiritual practice is 
begin to invite. Think about, you know, the longer you're in church, and I'm preaching to myself right now, it's like, eh, I haven't invited anybody to church forever. And I was thinking about this a week and a half ago, and I thought, it's Easter's coming up. Who am I going to invite to Easter? Like, I'm the pastor, <laughs> you know? Who am I going to invite? I, I, I invited 120 people to Easter last week. And I did it through, you know, some of you know I'm in the wedding world, and I got a lot of different relationships and networks in that wedding thing. And then, and then there's a, a gazillion people that before COVID were part of our church family or were on the periphery, and I thought, haven't seen them in years. Hey, we'd love to see you Easter Sunday, da-da-da-da-da. And it was so fun, I'm not kidding, to see lots of people here last week that were like, your invitation made the difference. Thank you for the personal invite. And do you know that you have people in your life, family, friends, people at work, that they're waiting for somebody to invite them to an event? It doesn't have to be to church. Church maybe isn't the first invite. It might be to, the, you know, we had a bunch of uh, men going away on a retreat this week. Um, it might be going to a men's barbecue. It might be the Advent brunch. It might, I mean, there's a lot of different things going on. The daddy-daughter dance. I mean, there's a whole lot of events that are happening on ramps to invite people into the faith community and prayerfully trusting God to use you. So that's the center. That's the core. That's the, we have to be willing to move from an unwillingness to a willingness to move to the middle. And then here's the last one. It just keeps getting worse, you guys. I'm not kidding. It's, if you want to move from a, a mild to a wild, I've just found in my own life, here, here, here it is. The point is, if you're going to live in that mild place, it's an un, you're unwilling to choose death. It's like, what? Well, we see in the passage here that Eutychus falls out the window and he dies. I'm going to bet money that that moment, that event, changed his life. Would you, would you agree with that? <laughs> Do you think that changed his life, Throw, falling out of a, you know, and, and many of you know, I, I mean, I was in a Vespa accident nine years ago this month. Just boom. I thought, thought I was dying in the gutter on Garden and Annapamu. And it was through that experience, I would say, God woke me up from a place of just being in a mild, in my ministry, in my walk with Jesus, to why, why was that not my last day on planet Earth? Why, why did God keep me alive? Like, there's got to be a reason that he didn't take me out in that moment. I should have died. Guy going 50 miles an hour, T-boned me on my best buy, went flying into the curb on the other side, and I thought that was it. But don't let that have to happen to you to wake you up spiritually. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, there's this theme, this language of death that brings life. That if you want to live, like really live, the entryway into that life is death. I mean, the whole Easter message, and then we celebrated a few weeks back, it was Lazarus, and, and there's just these pivotal stories in the scriptures that remind us that you have to die before you really live. 
Let me read a few quotes for us, for those of you that maybe aren't familiar. I mean, there's some really um, pivotal quotes. Bonhoeffer's, of course, uh, he's, when Christ calls a man, but I would say a man or a woman, I think he means that, you know, universally. When Christ calls a man, he bids him, come and say it out loud, die. What's that mean? If I'm going to follow Jesus, it means I'm going to have to die to myself, to my sinfulness, my selfishness. Thomas Akempis in The Imitation of Christ, which is a wonderful read, says this, realize that you must lead a dying life. The more a man or woman dies to himself, the more he begins to live unto God. Paul, of course, in Galatians 2.20, some of you have this memorized. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I've died. Crucified means I've, I, I have, my old self, my old life has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ is living in me. His will, his way is ahead of my will and my way. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. That's dying to my sinfulness and my selfishness. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And then Andrew Murray, that great prayer warrior, he said, the deeper that we're willing to enter into the death of self, the more we shall know of the mighty power of God. If you're not experiencing the power of God in your life, maybe it's because you're not making choices to die to your selfishness and sinfulness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go after, I'm, I'm going to go after the college students in here this morning. I know um, you're such an important part of this church, and my life was changed when I graduated. Any, any, anybody graduating here and this year? Raise your hand if you're graduating. <laughs> is, that mild? is that mild or wild? <laughs> I love it. When I, when I graduated from college, I was fortunate enough to have a dad who said to me, what do you want for college graduation? And I said, I want to take a year off and travel. And, uh, and so I got as a gift for, for college graduation a trip around the world for a year. And it was just probably, I don't know, six weeks to two months before I was to go on this trip after I graduated college that the, the First Covenant Church in Oakland, I was a high school youth leader, I was a volunteer, um, they got a letter, this was before email, before cell phones, they got a letter in the mail, and it said, is there anybody at first at your church that would, is there anybody in your church, and then it said, like John Ireland? Because <laughs> I had done a little short-term mission trip down there a few years earlier. Is there anybody in your church like John who would be willing to come and spend the year in Mexico City and work in our church with international students and kids. So my pastor showed me the letter. Dude, I'm not going to Mexico. I'm going on my trip. I earned it. Okay, I, I, he said, I don't know if God's telling you to go to Mexico or not. 
week later, hey, have you thought any more about Mexico? I go, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. And he said this, I'll never forget it. He said, I don't know if God wants you to go to Mexico or not, but I do know that God wants you to be willing to go if he wants you to. Are you willing to go? I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. My trip, my trip, going to Europe, you get it? Going to South Africa, you get it? Going to Asia, you get it? About a week later, he comes back. I didn't write the letter, but your name's in it. Just wondering if you've thought any more about it. And so he said, I just, I just think you ought to pray about it. Are you willing to pray about it? I'm like, dude, if I pray about it, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, I was laying on my bed. I was renting a room from a family in the church. And I was... I still, I still can picture right where I was. I'm laying on the bed, and it was a prayer of dying to myself. And I said, God, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to die to my trip to Europe and around the world this next year, and I'm willing to go to Me Mexico if that's what you want for me. And it was one of those moments in my life that it's, just, it's, it's hard to, but my heart changed. My heart, like, was filled with, energy and vision for Mexico, not for traveling. All of a sudden, it was like, think about what could happen. I could serve God in Mexico, and my, heart, my whole heart changed. And so I went back and said, I'm willing. And so then I had to raise support. You ever done that? <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. Boy, isn't that fun. <laughs> I had to raise $75 a month to live in Mexico back then. That's what it was. I had to raise 75 bucks a month, and I did, and God provided. And I had a, I had a 1970 Volkswagen bus. They're cool again. Yeah, this, was, this, was, this was a long time ago. And I drove that thing from Oakland, California to Mexico City without a map. I just followed the signs. And, and here's, what's, here's what's cool. It was that year of serving God, of saying yes, of saying I'm going to die to myself. It was that year that God called me into full-time ministry. There was a mission team, the Donahoes and the Reeds, and there's, there's like four or five families that were, that were career missionaries, and they just affirmed and just said, you have gifts for ministry, and we just want to say, we, we sense that God's calling you. Look at the fruit of your ministry, and you love it, and we love having you, blah, blah, blah. I got a call to ministry, and this doesn't always happen, but I went to a Super Bowl party. Like all the Americans, the expats, they find each other when you live in a foreign country. And I went to a Super Bowl party, and I met this woman who actually happens to be sitting right here this morning. <laughs> and we were introduced, and, and she said, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a short-term missionary in Mexico City. And she said, oh, you're one of those people that move into a foreign country and ruin the culture. <laughs> And now we've been married for almost 40 years. And so, you know, you just don't know. You don't know, but dying leads to life, dying to self and selfishness, to my plans, for his plans. And it's not just those big decisions. You know, the, the, you guys were at the retreat, uh, the women's retreat this week, and... Um, 
I got uh, just quick story. It's, it's a little thing, but it's a big thing. Part of following Jesus for me and dying to myself, we have a little dog named Munchie that passed away a few weeks ago. And little Munchie, man, we, we love Munchie. But once, once Munchie died, I'm like, I don't need a dog anymore. Like, we're cool. Well, my beautiful wife's like, no, we're not. We're getting another dog. I'm like, I'm like two days later, we're looking at this dog, and guess, guess who's at our house right now? Little, little Teddy. We got Teddy. I got a new dog named Teddy, but here's why I tell you that story. I was like, I don't want a dog. 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 And the Spirit of God is like, John, you got to honor your wife. It's really important to her. Die to yourself. The Christian life is about dying a lot to your selfishness and honoring others and serving others and blessing others. Do you get it? If you live that way, you're going to be on the river raft going through class five rapids, not falling asleep on the family float boat down the Truckee River and, you know, bored to death. There are many of us that are living a Christian life that's flat out boring and lifeless and mild. This series, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about and look at scriptures that, that move us out of the comfort zone into a faith that going back to the story in Eutychus, I don't care, and I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now, you're, you're the Eutychus that fell out the window. You have fallen so far because of a moral choice in your life, because of a decision you made or a series of decisions, and basically you're here today, but you feel dead spiritually. And, and, and the good news of this passage is that we have a God of resurrection and I don't care where you're at, you, 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 you might have just made the worst choices, but today can be a new beginning for you. That's the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the God of second and third and 50th and 50 millionth chances. And just as he raised this young man, Eutychus, who fell asleep, fell out the window, he can raise you to a new life, a new beginning, wherever you're at this morning. And that's why we're here. There's not a person in here that doesn't want a, a little bit of that taste of, I, I, I need new life. I, I need new life in my new marriage. I need new life in my parenting. I need new life in my career. I need new life in my integrity. I've been wandering. I've been, whatever it is. So let me stop, because I need to land the plane. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote that I hope will challenge you. And then as we, as we finish up, we are uh, having a baptism outside uh, today, a young woman is going to be baptized today in our church, Claudia. But I just, again, maybe there's somebody here that's going, you know what? I'm, I'm in the mild falling asleep category, and today I want to be baptized. Baptism, let me read for you Romans 6, 2 through 4, says this. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism... We joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. That's the metaphor. When, we're, when, we, when we sink people into the water, that's the death. I'm dying to myself, you know. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And that's what baptism is. It's, it's burying the old selfish, sinful self and coming up 
that represents the new life. Unwilling, unwilling to deal with distractions, unwilling to move to the middle, unwilling to choose death. Unwilling means I'm not ready to do something. I'm not ready to do something, and I will guarantee you, embracing a spirit of unwillingness will cause you to fall asleep and develop a lukewarm faith. And there's not a person in this room that wants that. And so let me pray that the Spirit of God will put a spirit of willingness in you today. Father, help us. Help me. I'm preaching to myself right now. I so desire to choose death, death of selfishness, of being self-absorbed, self-promoting, and to live a new life, a life that's for the sake of others, a life that's sacrificial, a life that's generous, a life that's willing to, to help hurting people, a life that's willing to invite people that have lost their way that maybe are far from you. God, today I pray that the good news of the gospel, that you are the God who brings dead things and dead people to life, that whatever's actually dying in our life, would you, in this moment, bring resurrection power and love and life change and transformation? We can't do it on our own, but we know that you call us to be willing. And so right here, right now, we say, I'm willing, God. I'm willing to become the man, the woman you want me to be. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I'm willing to make that hard choice that I've been putting off and avoiding in order to honor you, in order to become the man, the woman you want me to become. And so, Lord, have your way and just come forcefully into my life right now by the Spirit of God. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you back to your same seat that you're in right now next week. I hope you'll come back and come to the front and come to the middle. God bless you. Let's sing. Let's stand and stand sing. Together.